The main thing that I look for when I'm talking to a new trade about, uh, hey, we're bidding out this project, I want to make sure that they know my expectations first. I want to make sure and lay out exactly what I want. And then I want to read their response. So if I start by saying, hey, this is my project, it's this many square feet, and it's going to have this many bathrooms, and I'm really looking to build this house for 350 bucks a square foot, I've failed already. I botched it. There's no way I get a good outcome now. Because what I've told them is, I'm a numbers guy. I don't care about too much other than the price. Because that's all I told them. And that's not the way that we built. record that stuff too, but uh, we're just going to get right into it. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Make Trades Great Again podcast. Andy, we have a special guest today. Another guest, man. We just got to, they're lining up. They're just lining up. I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe to talk to you, I guess, but uh, yeah, it must be. It must be. Andy, let's welcome Travis Brungart, uh, one part of Catalyst Home Built. God, see, I already screwed it up. Catalyst Construction. It's Catalyst not that hard. You got it. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Travis. How you doing, man? I'm great. Thanks for having me, guys. I've enjoyed listening to you guys. Uh, I appreciate you having me on. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So, uh, Travis, why don't you just uh, let everybody know who doesn't follow you over on Instagram, Catalyst Built, right? That's right. Uh, over on Instagram. That's how we met and through the Build Show Network. Um, but why don't you just tell everybody a little bit about yourself? You do general contracting, home building, and a whole bunch of other stuff down in Kansas City. <laughs> yeah, that whole bunch of other stuff has really grown over the last couple of years, but I'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Uh, so my name is Travis Brungard. I live in Prairie Village, Kansas, and I do own Catalyst Construction with my partner, Joe Cook, who you guys can also see on the Build Show Network with me. Joe and I are building custom homes, high-performance homes uh, in and around the Kansas City area. Uh, I'm a licensed master electrician. I also hold a mechanical license uh, and my partner, Joe, uh, holds the master plumber and the general contractor's license. So we do a fair amount of renovation work and holding all those licenses makes it very quick for us to move through multiple phases of a job simultaneously. So it helps us be cost competitive uh, and also deliver a better product on those renovations where we self-perform. But on our larger new homes, it just doesn't make sense to have a four or five man crew frame your house, roof it, hang the rock, uh, all that stuff. We do subcontract our larger homes, uh, but it still gives us the advantage of knowing how to do everything and to perform that stuff well. So we can kind of hold our guys accountable to, hey, uh, I would like for this to be done this way. And we, we always come at it respectfully. And our trade partners are people that we work with regularly, so they know what to expect from us. But it does give us that advantage of, okay, I don't think you understood what we wanted here. Let me show you how I want it done. And instead of getting the pushback of, well, <laughs> that's not how we do it. You can say, well, this is how we do it. And that's how right. you'll do it on this job because this is how we want it done. And it's not, not a big deal, but it's important to us. So, you know, we're respectful about it, but we're always able to have that congenial conversation with our partners where everyone can come to the same place, um, uh, 
we're all working toward the common goal anyway, right? Everybody wants the house to be the best it can be. It's just some guys were trained in things a different way or they have a different method. And so we like to make sure that we always deliver the same product to our client. And that's, that's why we self-perform and got those licenses. That's fascinating. Andy, I think we're, uh, you and I are, are definitely outclassed here. I mean, <laughs> that's not true. This Come guy, on, guys. This guy's building yeah. houses. Yeah. He, he can, they can plumb them. They can wire them. What? I guess we're not needed anymore. <laughs> no, that, t- quite the opposite. Uh, funny story, Eric. I actually, I had to unfollow you for a while as Mechanical Hub because I was getting anxiety about like not doing, like not being good enough at my my craft. I was oh, like, gosh. this is too many things. There's so many, there's so much like, I, my ego's too fragile. I can't keep it up. Like this guy's killing it out there. So uh, I definitely would not say that you're outclassed. I would just say that the way that we are, the way that we're set up, we're just very specific about the way that we want things done and the things that are important to us that make up that high performance building have a lot to do with like air sealing and the envelope. Typically not something that a plumber is forced to focus on. Like the plumber's right. job is to make sure that the pipes don't leak, right? Yeah. So we want fall, we want flow. We're not really worried about punching a hole in the envelope and sealing that up, but we are. So right. that's where you're getting a benefit with us is that we're looking at the project holistically And we're not really siloed into these individual trades because we have that comprehensive look. So that might be where we have a little bit of an advantage over another builder that just subcontracts and doesn't understand, hey, man, the HVAC guy's got to get that line set out. He's going to have to drill those three holes. It's non-negotiable. It can't be a four-inch hole, though, for us that everything flows through. It needs to be three individual holes so we can seal it up and get our air sealing details right. Well, yeah. and that's what I wanted to talk about. Andy and I had, had been talking for a long time and, and just trying to find the right person to talk to about the subcontractor and general contractor or, you know, builder in your case, uh, relationship. And man, were we lucky, Andy, just to find Travis and, and realize like he's the guy because of your qualifications. And I keep pointing that out, but you know, I'll, I'll let you off the hook. Look, yeah. <laughs> You you do a lot of things really well, but your experience in in working with sub trades, that's primarily our audience here on the podcast. So, sure. you know, yeah. a lot of who listens to us are, I mean, how would you break it down to any mostly plumbers? Yeah, I I would say, <clears throat> I would say that I get a a, a pretty good mix, uh, but primarily plumbing and you know pipe fitting the mechanical hydronic side of it H5, hvac as well yeah yeah we get a handful of those guys hanging out um but uh, yeah you guys should have had joe on <laughs> I'm, the, <laughs> no, no. I'm the electrical side and it's no, no. gonna be see, rough that, see that's where that's why you didn't know this but we don't like electricians and no i'm just kidding uh <laughs> just kidding no it's that old the you know the meme culture but right. no just the the uh the point i'm trying to make is that we talk a lot about the business side of you know contracting as a subcontractor talk a lot about what andy deals with what i deal with as small contractors with or without employees and a lot of times we're talking with people or talking to people on the podcast about our experiences, uh, past and present, whether it's dealing with builders or customers directly. And I think it's fascinating that I think it would be fascinating to have a conversation. And that's why you're here today about just that relationship of what you expect from your sub trades. And you've brought it up already. You know, the, the evolution of building has, it's, Honestly, it's probably jumped forward a couple decades 
just in the last handful of years or or so, 10 years, let's say, we've jumped, we've come kind of out of the stone age and into like talking about things like, oh, you're going to drill that hole. Uh, not so big, Mr. Plumber. <laughs> we've got to seal around that pipe or whatever it is that you're putting. I mean, sealing around wires, mm-hmm. not just up in the, t- you know, the top plate into the attic, but like yeah. literally everywhere. I've never seen so many, you know, uh, videos and tutorials on YouTube and Instagram uh, and over on TikTok on how to, you know, use this mastic or this, yep. I don't know, this goo and like <laughs> a trowel and like you're going around a piece of like Romex going through a piece of, you know, through the outside sheeting. And I'm thinking, I, I don't know how to do this job anymore because it's changed so much. It's just that our priorities have shifted. Uh, you know, we spend a ton of our time talking about building science because as we've made our homes tighter, we've increased our risk. So, you know, in pursuit of energy efficiency back in the 70s, when they started insulating homes, they really created a lot of problems. There was sick building syndrome for a while where all these houses were getting mold because instead of being able to dry out because all these houses were so leaky, we had put insulation in the walls and that stopped that flow from moving through quick enough and it held the water in suspension and we started rotting sheeting and we'd have all this mold and, you know, kids with allergies like this is really serious stuff so it's like anything you you got good intentions we're trying to make a better envelope we're trying to make you know our our country energy sufficient or uh, what was the i can't remember what the jimmy carter uh, tagline was i'm not that old but there was a time where it was energy (laughs) independence that's what it was um i I was born in 77 come on man you give me a pass on that hey um, we're the same age nice so when we, when we try to make something better, we, we have to understand the other impacts, you know, just I would like to try and make a great plumbing comparison there. But, you know, if, if, if a new plumber came in and was like, oh yeah, I'm going to put a four inch drain on my kitchen sink because, you know, four inches is bigger than two inches and I want maximum flow. I'm going to do a good thing here. Well, that doesn't work as well, right? Like we need right. the right volume of water to carry the solids. And if you make that pipe too big, you've actually made the system worse. Now it can't, you're not going to get enough water to float the solids through that, that place now. Right. right. Am I way off on that? Joe's the plumber. Sorry. No, was, no, no. You're, you're, you're dead on. Okay. Dead on. So we do the same thing with our houses. We, we were like, oh, you know, we've got to make our house uh, energy efficient so that we don't use so much oil for heating or, uh, you know, so that we can just have people be comfortable and healthy without wasting their money. Uh, and so we do all this insulation and air sealing. Well, that's great. But if you don't understand that the people in the house have to breathe, maybe you don't know that you need an ERV like, Hey, we're under one air change per hour. We're not leaking in fresh air anymore from the outside. Gosh, we got to understand all this stuff. And that's where it's become really hard on our tradespeople because it's a lot to know. Like I've already revealed, I don't know enough to be a plumber. I, I don't have that skill set. I can, I can do basic stuff in a house and I've, you know, I've helped Joe plumb a whole house and I feel like I'm pretty decent, but as soon as it becomes, oh no, we've got to worry about this pressure. And if we put the manifold over here, it's not going to flow as well. And you're going to have all this, um, head loss. I don't know. You guys lost me. I am not, I'm not that skilled. We're asking so much of our tradespeople to even be good at one trade. And then we stack all this other responsibility on them and say, Hey, I also want you to be solar ready. I also want you to be net zero ready. I also want you to make sure that we don't have any air leaks. And I also want you to make sure that we don't bring water in when you penetrate the roof with your boot and get your vent out. And like, we're just, we're asking the plumber to be the roofer and we're asking to be the siding guy. And we're asking to be the air sealing contractor all at once. That's a lot to ask. So 
I love the ability to bounce from spot to spot and know how all these things have to go together. That's one of my favorite things. That's the problem solving that gets me up in the morning. I'm excited about, but I also know how much I'm asking of people who are just focused on being the best at their craft. And if it's one thing they're focused on, man, it's a lot to say, I need you to also know these other 25 things. It's just, it's a lot. And some of that stuff is not uh, stuff that's easily uh, attainable. You know, that knowledge is you're going to get out and, and, and especially like in your case where your custom homes, um, and, and you guys are building from, you know, just our brief discussion here, you're building a home that's superior to what 98% of the rest of the homes that are built. We're sure trying. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're going to come up with situations, uh, like you were just mentioning, you, you've tightened that envelope so tight and you've, you've, you know, dialed these, this construction down into something that now you have, you know, kind of like you were saying, you know, it's a super home. It's, it's how, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what I'm trying to say there, but the, the, the issues that you find don't show up day one, right? right. You know, they show up at 60 days or 120 days. And then you, you kind of learn that these, these things, you know, Oh, the season changed. Oh, that's weird. The light fixtures are cloudy. Or a couple of years down the road. Right. Yeah, totally. That's one of the things that we, we spend a ton of time talking about in building science, which is really, I mean, that's my primary focus. I, I, I definitely claim I'm really proud of my electrician's license and I'm really proud of the homes that we build, but my passion is building science and sharing that information and helping other builders, tradespeople, and hopefully kids learn, which is why I was really excited to be on the podcast. You guys are doing a great thing uh, in supporting uh, trades education. So I guess when we start talking about building science, you immediately go, oh, those are the dorks that talk about vapor. Like it's it, 80% of building science discussions end with water vapor discussion. Sure. Now in my career, I've seen one problem that might have been caused by vapor. I'm pretty sure it was caused by bulk water, but it might have additionally had some wood rot associated with water vapor. Right. But that's 80% of what we talk about because it's the most nuanced. It's the most complex. There's all these factors that, as you pointed out, Andy, seasonal change, uh, you know, if you're in climate zone five or six or seven and eight, my goodness, all of a sudden you have a much different vapor profile and all this risk that, again, it's a lot to ask for the electrician. Hey, is that an airtight can? Because if we have any air movement through the ceiling into this space, we're going to have a condensation source at the back of the roof. Any of that air that's moisture laden is going to condense and we're going to have a water stain here and we don't want that. So I need it to be perfectly sealed. And I'm not talking about like, oh yeah, we tried. I'm talking about like a hundred percent, like zero failure is what's allowed when we start building these really, really tight envelopes. And it's, again, it, it really requires somebody to care more than anything else. Like you can, you can teach almost anyone to do this stuff. Like we're talking about caulking most of the time, or, you know, a piece of tape, um, a gasketed solution, Almost anyone can do it. Like I've taught my 11 year old how to do this stuff. My, my daughter can do it and she's nine. Like it's, it's, this isn't rocket science. It's building science. And it just has to be carefully done by someone who understands why they're doing it. And if they understand why, then usually the how is the easy part. Like Joe and I had a, a conversation on a house we built last year. If you follow us on Instagram, it was the house in the woods. We had a really big, um, <clears throat> a really big challenge for the framer because we use zip system a lot. So all of our water and air management's at the exterior and we were going over the roof with it. And it, it's not an easy job to be a hundred percent good all the time. I can't do it. I make mistakes every day. 
And what we were telling our framers is, look, guys, you got to buy in on these air sealing details. And you kind of see them like give you the nod, like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, guys, whatever. We know how to roll the tape. That's basic. Like, I don't think you guys understand how important this is. So Joe and I went and picked up a bunch of pizzas and a cooler full of drinks and came out to the job. And we're like, look, guys, we're, lunch is on us, but you got to listen for 20 minutes. That's the deal. Give us 20 minutes and really listen to what we're saying. And we basically went through a control layers, like a Steve basic level discussion of, uh, well, not Steve basic level, but <laughs> stuff we learned from Steve. We, we tried to condense into a 20 minute talk about like, here's what you guys are responsible for. Here's what you're going to do for this house. And we talked about like the generational mindset where when we build a house, we're not thinking about our end of warranty period. We're thinking about hopefully that family that lives there, they're going to pass that house on to their kids. Like it's going to stay in the family. And like in, in European markets where, you know, people take care of the house because, you know, this is grandpa's house and we owe it to grandpa to take care of it. And then the kids take care of it and their kids get the house and it stays in the family because it's worth it. it it's a valuable thing that shouldn't be just cast off. And I know that's not how we live in America. People move every seven years. I think it's the stat or something crazy like that. But we're trying to get back to that mindset of this is your responsibility. And the thing that you build today is going to be here for hopefully 100, 200, maybe even 500 years. So the level of care that we put into rolling this tape joint is going to be life or death for somebody. It's, it's whether or not somebody has Christmas next year, because if this fails, this wall rots, it, we get a structural failure under the window where the water came in and the wood is rotted out now, and they have to rip this all out and redo it. And it's expensive. So you canceled Christmas for someone if you don't care for those two minutes where you're rolling this tape. So let's let's look at everything on the house that way. And let's let's be diligent in our detailing such that we can be proud of our outcome. And then we brought them back for the blower door test. You know, when you pressurize the house, you guys understand all that stuff. Yep. Your, your audience does too. The idea of showing them the fruits of their labor. Like we didn't just tell them to do it and then walk away. We kept them as you know partners and we would work with them and say, hey, look, I see this spot. I'm a little bit worried about this detail. This is a tough corner. What would you guys think if we did this? And Joe and I worked with them on it and we tried it. And you know, maybe our idea wasn't the best and maybe they had a better idea, but we worked on it together. And at the end of the project, when it was time to blow that test, we were sub one. And considering the budget uh, and <laughs> the, the design for that house, that was a huge win and bringing the framers into the fold on that, who we were basically saying, you guys are going to be responsible for air control layer as partners with you. We're going to chase the mechanicals and make sure that those penetrations are sealed, but you guys are all the, all the joints in every window. And we showed them, look, we're sub one. Like we did a really great thing here. The people that live in that house haven't paid an energy bill yet. And so that's a heating cycle and a cooling cycle. Oh, and wow. that's not just a credit to Joe and I cracking the whip. That's a credit to those guys. That's, that's Matt's crew. That's Wolf. That's Darrell. That's all those guys. And so we want to make sure that they understand how important it is because they should be driving their kids around on a Sunday going, I built that one. And that's the first one we did that was sub one air changes. Those people haven't paid an energy bill. And then their kids are going to be excited and want to be in the trades too. And then we change the whole culture. But okay. But you talk about the process and which, how you kind of develop that through that build. And that's really cool. And I was watching uh, bits and pieces of that as it went along. But, you know, when you first meet with your framer, let's say it's a new sub to you. Mm. Uh, I mean, that's really ultimately where it starts on your end, where the challenge is, is to find the right subcontractor. And so what would you say to uh, an HVAC contractor 
that you guys sure. are going to interview to, you know, you're putting bids out on a job. Let's say the, the guy, the company you're working with right now just isn't, you know, going to travel that far or isn't going to be able to take on the work. You have to start over for some reason. What is, what is your main concern? Because you don't want to get to the end of the job and find out you did something wrong. That was your intention with the, with the framers, like trying to put in front of them how important everything that they, you needed them to do, how important it was for the project long-term. Mm-hmm. Well, that it really, ultimately you can build the best envelope, but if, if, if inside the envelope, it doesn't perform either, uh, the comfort for the people living in it, the, the electrical system inside, if, if things just aren't, if people are unhappy, you can have the best house. They don't want to live there. It doesn't matter, right? Yep. 100%. I mean, Andy and I deal with this kind of stuff all the time. Literally, that is our business, dealing with what has made somebody unhappy for one reason or another. Usually, it's failure of equipment, <laughs> things like that. But honestly, a lot of what we see are just poorly built things, whether it's yeah. plumbing or heating or you name it. But how do you get in front of that like on the interview process? And I guess... I'm asking this as a pretty pointed question just to our audience, if they would listen to your answer and maybe pull away from what you have to say on something they could work on themselves, if they're looking to do this kind of work, does that make sense? Totally does. Um, And I will tell you that we were pretty loyal. We work with the same people for a long period of time. So we haven't done a ton of trade swapping. I think we've gone through maybe three framers, uh, two HVAC crews, we're on our third plumber. Um, so we, we, we're kind of hard to teach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I will tell horse, you right? the main thing that I look for when I'm talking to a new trade about, uh, Hey, we're bidding out this project. I want to make sure that they know my expectations first. I want to make sure and lay out exactly what I want. And then I want to read their response. So if I start by saying, Hey, this is my project. It's this many square feet and it's going to have this many bathrooms. And I'm really looking to build this house for 350 bucks a square foot. I've failed already. I botched it. There's no way I get a good outcome now because what I've told them is I'm a numbers guy. I don't care about too much other than the price because that's all I told them. And that's not the way that we built at all. Like we've, we've built houses that are, you know, 1800 square feet and land close to $600 a square foot, which is nuts in our market. That's a really high price point, but it had all the best stuff in it. And that house is going to be there forever. So we've also built houses in the $250 a square foot mark. Like that's a really wide margin. So I'm not a numbers guy. I'm not going to come at you with the price point and the square footage and the number of openings. That's not the way that I price anything. The way that we usually work when I'm talking to a new trade, I'm saying, this is the type of houses that we build. And I'm kind of painting a picture. I'm, I'm a little philosophical. I, I'm not all bristly. I'm a little emotional about it. And our projects really matter to me. I talk about Catalyst as my firstborn child, you know, that my company matters to me. And I, I take it real seriously. So we would expect that when we have subs on the job, they're representing us. And so we want them to take it that seriously too. So I start with that. That's kind of talking about culture. And then moving down the line, I, I'm generally going to talk about the, that generational mindset. Like I expect this house to be here for a, a many good long years, hopefully hundreds of years. And I know that it's not reasonable to expect a plumbing fixture to last 20 to 25 years uh, necessarily, but we want our workmanship to be on that level that our workmanship didn't fail. You know, parts can fail. Things are going to go bad. Yeah. We're going to be on our fifth TXV. Okay, Cool. But how about the system? Is the ductwork still good? Because we can clean it out. 
You know, if we're going to do a four stair system, there's no reason that it should have the ducks rerun ever. Right. Right. You know, so when we talk to the trades that we're interviewing for a job, we're talking about that culture. We're talking about attention to detail is something that I focus a lot on. And frankly, I read a little, we always try to do these in person. I read a little bit just about, you know, what I see from the person. Cause even though I don't fully subscribe to that, how you do something is how you do everything mindset. I do believe that someone who shows up and looks the part, it matters to me. So if you show up and it looks like you, um, you just came from the gym, that's cool. I'm glad you take care of yourself, but I'm looking for someone that's ready to work. So I expect you to be in work clothes. Like you're going to be on my job. So I generally don't want to meet with the salesperson if it's a bigger company, because the salesperson's job is usually to do the the number counting, like I talked about. Well, and to convince you they're the right company for the job. Right. And I'm not interested in your trip to Hawaii and the places that you guys all get to go when you make your sales quota. I, I don't want to know about that because you're not taking me and you're not taking my client. You're taking right. my client's money. Yeah. <laughs> but but my interest is, hey, do you guys prefer mastic or are you using tapes? Are you going to apply that mastic with a brush or do you guys just glove it and glob it? Like those are the things that I'm asking about. I want to know about their process because that's going to reveal to me whether or not they share the same dedication to our craft that we do. And if they can do it the same way that I would do it, or if they can do it a better way than I can do it, that's my guy. The price is the last thing I ask about. God, I hope I can afford it, but I want the best people on the job because that house needs to be there forever. So if they say, hey, you know, we only use gold leaf to seal our ductwork and, uh, you know, it's going to cost you an extra 50K. I'm going to tell them, man, that's really not in our budget. I'd really like to work with you. What if, would you consider using regular duct mastic instead of the gold leaf on this project so that we can work together? Because I believe in your process and I think you're the right fit for the job. How can we be fair and modify materials or approach to make sure that our budget works? Because we want all of our tradespeople on every job to make money. Everybody that gets up and goes to work in the morning is doing so to feed their family, hopefully to make a profit, to better their life in some way. Um, and well, I don't ever want my guys to come to the job and be like, oh, losing my ass on this yeah, because yeah. they're not going to work as well. No. And I want to support them. I want to live a good life. I want them to live a good life. And you know, the houses that we're building, it's generally for people that are doing okay. So there's no reason why someone shouldn't make a profit working on our projects. So when we talk to tradespeople that we're interviewing, it really, to me, starts with process. I want to see that commitment. I want to know, hey, do you guys take on uh, summer interns? Are you active in uh, building trades? Do you work with any of these union shops? Like, what's your process for bringing on new guys? How how many people do you uh, have turnover every year? Because that matters to me too. Like company culture, yeah, it may not be everything, but like my favorite HVAC crew that we work with, Patrick Meyer at Pride Mechanical, he's had one or two guys. It's him and Andrew on my jobs forever. And Patrick knows he's forgotten more about HVAC than I know. And I've got a master's license. Like I'm, I'm no slouch, but he is so deep into the new stuff that's going on with variable refrigerant flow. And I mean, he knows it like, like I know my kids. So I don't, uh, I don't for a second distrust that he's going to be the best person on the job, but there are projects I can't afford him on because sometimes the best is out of budget. So we do still have to talk about cost. And that's where Joe, my partner, Joe Cook, the plumber, uh, the general contractor's license holder, and also kind of our CFO, he's real quick to rein me in. He's like, I know you're excited about that guy. And that crew is probably great. 
but we can't build the job if we don't get the job. And right now that puts us 20% out of budget. Sure. I'm like, okay, well then let's, let's work together. So if a client, excuse me, if a, if a trade is willing to have those conversations and be very open about it, uh, a lot of times we can find a place to make it work where we'll say, you know, okay, well, how about this? We'll self-perform the air sealing details. You guys go ahead and run your equipment. I'm going to talk to you about where I want the line set to drop. I'm going to talk to you about where we're going to set the equipment pad. But what if, what if we take back some of that part that you guys were thinking, gosh, we got to put a bunch of money in for that because those guys are real nasty about their air sealing and they don't want that to be a problem. We're going to have to spend a ton of time on it. Like, well, it's easy for me. I know how to do it. How about this? You do the part that you're best at. And then our crew will pick up the parts that you're not as comfortable with. And that way you can price it competitively. And yeah, I've got some labor tra- labor hours in it now that I have to account for, but we deliver the best product to our client. And then that gives us the joy that we seek and why we get up in the morning to do this work. Yeah. No, it's cool to hear you, uh, hear you talk about having that, you know, that passion to build, build the, the, I don't know, the most premium, um, end result. And, you know, I think we have, we can all attest that you've walked into those houses that you go, yep, this is your run of the mill house. And then you've walked into that house. That's like, you know what, this, this is awesome. You know, somebody, somebody there's, there, there were so many craftsmen on this job that every detail is, is there. And and it's, it's those, the, like you say, the little details that, that always make, make the end result like that. So that's, that's. Well, and I want to be clear. We don't just build super high end, you know, blank check houses. Every client that we work for has a budget and we do a lot of renovation work. Like one of the jobs that I'm most proud of, some friends of ours from church hired us to uh, do an addition on the back of their house. And I was like, well, you know, at the time I was just kind of getting into building science stuff. I was like, Hey, why don't we run a blower door on it and just see where the house is at? Cause we're going to just reside it and put an addition on the back. So we can't really make that big a difference, but just cause we can, let's see. Uh, and at the time, I didn't even own a blower door. I borrowed Jake's. Uh, Jake Bruton uh, loaned us his, his blower door. I think it blew a 927 when we started, 9.27 air changes per hour. We resided the house. It was board sheathing. So all we did was wrap it with Tyvek, but we did an addition across the whole back of the house. And we took it down below five air changes per hour. And these are people that I see every Sunday at church, and I see their kids growing up. And I know that what we've done for them is create a better indoor air quality they're right. going to have better comfort. It's less drafty. Their kids are going to have less allergy issues because there's less air going in and out of the house from pollen and all the impurities that we deal with. But I also know that I'm helping them to take their next vacation because they saved on their energy that year. You know, like yeah. those kinds of things. It's not just about like, oh man, we got a blank check and we're going to put in this um, this geothermal system or you know some really ultra premium products. It's not just about spending a bunch of money and doing really really nice stuff. It's about making the most improvement that you can. Like that's really what providing value is, right? Like you give somebody the best that you can with what they've got available. And I love that aspect of problem solving. And I think that's that's another thing I should have mentioned in the, in the trade partner discussion is when we talk to these guys, if if they have creative approaches to doing things, that doesn't really scare me off. Right. That gets me excited. Like, oh, this is somebody who's trying to innovate. They're trying to be better. You know, they were the first one in our market to use the Upanor expanding system when everyone else was just crimping or, you know, like, Hey, that's the guy, that's the person I want is somebody who's trying to get better every day. Cause that's what we're trying to do. So that's a, that's a good partnership. You travel quite a bit and you get to talk with builders and, and contractors all over the country, really, as I see it, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but 
I see in our trades and, and, you know, kind of our circle of conversations online, different attitudes based off of where people are, you know, physically, like where they live, where they work, the markets that they're in. And a lot of times you see kind of these mental hurdles that are affecting people's businesses, how they do their work and the work that they pursue because they've made assumptions and they maybe don't have the education on, you know, how to move their business forward or the market that they're in. But they they make these assumptions like, you know, nobody's going to pay for that in my market. Nobody's going to do that. And when you start talking building science, I'm sure that, yes, you guys talk about vapor barriers like crazy and you are the nerds and we acknowledge that. You were dead on when you said that earlier. But there's no way you don't talk about that aspect of of your business because I know it's talked about in the plumbing and heating industries all the time everywhere. People will ask, well, what do you guys charge in your market for that? Maybe it's a private conversation. Maybe it's a group and you're at a function or a trade show or something like that. But of course, every business is all over the place on how they handle things. How do you handle that either locally with your subs or how how are you seeing that all over the country? I mean, you're... I understand what you've said. It's not about a blank check and it's not, it's trying to do the most with what you have. Like you just touched on that uh, brilliantly, but that you're still going to run up against that. And what would you advise like subcontractors? What would you advise, you know, other general contractors that might hear this, you know, how to deal with that kind of attitude? You're saying, how do I advise people against like the cost per opening or cost per square foot? Pricing well, is that well? I, I think just the mental hurdle that you know you want to do these these this better construction. You wanna you want to innovate and you want to do a better. You want to provide a better product for your for your client, whatever yeah. it is that you do. But moving past that, you had to do it. You had to start at some point. Yes. You were building homes, and you weren't building the homes you are now. You were building probably what everybody else was building. Maybe it was nicer. Sure. Don't don't get don't take that the wrong way. No, not at all. But you had to make the effort to say, okay, this is what we're going to strive for moving forward. And I think there's a lot of uh, subcontractors out there that might be listening to you talk saying, well, I don't meet builders like you. (laughs) Or I'm never going to do that because my clients won't pay for that. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? My clients won't pay for that premium, you know, code required or not. Usually the code in our industry is, is the standard, not the minimum, which we know it to be factually, right. it is the minimum. Andy, would you agree? I mean, yeah. plumbing and HVAC, I'm just going to say it. I hate, I hate this about the industry, but ultimately it's, it's a set of rules you have to follow. It mm-hmm. is not a guideline in which you should look past. Does that yeah. make sense? So how do you, how, what would you, if you have any advice at all, I, you know, I yeah. hate to, you know, I'm putting you on oh, the no, spot. There's a lot there. Yeah. I, w- I, w- I have so much for you on that. So I would say, first off, um, I don't ever want to besmirch the code because the code is such a good house now. A code built house in 2022 is just a notch under passive. It is a damn good house. And so when people say, oh, you know, code is the worst house you can legally build. Okay. Maybe in your market, if they're enforcing the 2006 and, you know, they've amended out all the energy improvements. Yeah. Maybe it is the worst house you can legally build in that market at that time. But compare it against my house. I'm sitting in the basement of a 1955 ranch that has a cinder block wall foundation that leaked the day it was put in, uh, takes on water, takes on air. This is not the best house. I don't live in the nicest house. My clients run the gamut. I have clients that 
that are living like I do and clients that are living way better. So the clients that won't pay for it argument is something that we face a lot. And some of our clients, um, some of our clients expand their budget to include the things that we care about, but most don't. Many, many years, Joe and I, you know, tried to swim uphill in quicksand or whatever the right way to say that is, but banged our head against the wall, uh, trying to get people to get excited about what we care about and the energy performance uh, and the indoor comfort that we think every house should have. But yeah, our clients all the time would be like, uh, yeah, the other guy didn't have anything in here, but uh, R13 fiberglass. What's this Rockwell stuff? I, I'm not paying for that. Your insulation numbers double his. I don't want that. Like, well, you think you don't want it, but it's because <laughs> yeah. you don't know what it is. Yeah. Right. So we, it, we do have a job to educate our client. And for your tradespeople that listen to this show all the time, they have the same job. Yeah. Got to educate your client. It does matter if you're going to install uh, the the Mitsubishi Mini Split uh, that's time tested and has the heat strip that it needs to operate in cold weather. Versus the one that you can, oh, I found this site online that it's DIY. I don't want to say a bad thing about anyone's company because I'm, that's not right. But yeah, no, of course. But there's junk equipment. Yep. And so when you guys are faced with a client that's, hey, you know, I want to put in this new system, you're like, great. Well, I want to put a taco pump here and we're going to use this urn over here. And this is the equipment that we specify because we know that it's going to perform and we don't have to warranty it. And you're going to spend hard earned money on it. So you shouldn't want to replace it either. That is where you start to build in value. And yeah, some clients are still going to tell you no. And there are clients, I won't pay for that in my market. Sure, that's true. But what I learned early on, well, probably not early on, about midway through my career, I learned the pleasure of saying no and the joy of that's not my client. (laughs) Not everybody cares about the things that I care about. And if I have enough work to sustain me, I shouldn't chase a client that isn't my client. If I need to feed my family, if I'm if I'm not working next week and my crew's not going to be able to get a check and put dinner on their table, then I maybe have to make some compromises. And maybe I do put in a piece of equipment that I don't believe in. And I tell the client, this is not a piece of equipment that I would ordinarily install. I'm willing to do this to meet your budget because I want to make sure that somebody does a quality job for you. But this is not something that I think is long-term. And I would plan for a much shorter replacement cycle because you've chosen this piece of equipment to save money now. And sometimes we do that. We phase jobs all the time. We still have clients that are be like, well, we wanted to do the the full house renovation, but I think based on budget, we're just going to do the primary suite in the kitchen this year. We'll do the upstairs bedrooms next year, or maybe in two years, or maybe never, because the budget doesn't allow. It's not usually wise to take the shortest path. And so for that won't go in my market, I want to tell people, you create the market. You educate your client. You educate your fellow tradespeople. When you're when you're a leader in the industry, as you guys are, that's part of your job now. Whether you know it or not, or whether you uh, spend your time thinking about it and keeps you up at night, you guys are leading the industry, and you are creating that market because now consumers are better informed now than they ever have been. That's you started out the show talking about. You know, there's really been an improvement, a massive change in probably the last ten years or so. That sea change that's happened in in our industry is because of the information sharing. It's because of guys like you, Rice Singers Build Show Network, Fine Home Building Magazine, all the people, JLC Live and the magazine that are sharing information freely. They're educating consumers as well as tradespeople. And we are creating that market for what should be the standard, whether it's code or whether it's way above code. 
But there's definitely truth to what you're saying. And there are a lot of projects that I don't get because someone else bid the job cheaper. And I live with that. I sleep pretty well at night. That wasn't my client. Well, Andy and I have talked about a a concept that, you know, the perfect customer finding the right customer uh, uh, from a service contractor standpoint. And that applies to finding the right builder to work with, things like that. And it's based, you know, our, our conversations are based more about how we operate our businesses so that there's a mutual respect for each other and, and our processes, you know, billing, things like that. But it's a qualification kind of upfront. So uh, oftentimes in our, in the sub trades, we find uh, ourselves, and I'll include myself in this too, is over the years, you know, you're traveling way farther than you thought you would to, to do that one project because, you know, you're not sure if the, you know, you, you can't say no, that kind of thing. But when it comes to, you know, what you're doing, I imagine, and you just touched on a little bit, like there are certain points in which, you know, they're not your customer. That's just maybe the way it is. Yep. Yep. I, I, I cringe when I hear, uh, because of course we're talking with other contractors that are similar to our, you know, the way we run our business. I cringe when I hear that. Well, not my market. Cause I think, <laughs> you know, that's such a blanket cop statement. Out. Yeah, it is a cop out. It really is honestly, because it really, on, on most cases it comes down to, again, on the subject of, you know, running the business side of things, mm-hmm. not necessarily the ideals and the project you want to work on, but like literally how you're going to charge for your services, it comes down to not understanding how to run your business. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you, if you can't run your, if you don't understand that aspect of it, it's really hard to go out and get new business because you probably don't understand your customer base. You don't understand acquisition and really conducting your yourself in order to set yourself up for those, the kind of jobs that you want to do. Yeah, for sure. I think that, uh, there's a lot of joy in, or at least for me, I found a lot of joy in my career when I tried to take the next step in whatever, whatever path we were on. When I got my electrician's license, it was a big win for me because I felt like not only was I, um, more comfortable with the work that I was doing, I felt like I was going to do the job better than I used to and, and safer, but I felt like now I had a real like a power to work from a position of um, expertise where now I'm the expert in the room. When with my client asking me this, I, I don't have to say, well, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. That doesn't sell quite as well as I'm a master electrician. You right. hear that master? That's a big deal. I worked hard for that title. Uh, and frankly, I know more about this than you client. And so I'm the expert in the room. Let me explain to you how this works and why you should be considering this panel upgrade instead of just throwing a sub over here. Uh, you know, that, that moment of opportunity where you can, you can really take your business to the next level of offering, I I hate to call it a premium service because that immediately sounds like price, like, Hey, I'm going to charge you more than the next guy. But I'm talking about premium service in the terms of like, like concierge service. Like I'm, I'm offering you something client that you don't have with the guy who just put a magnet on the side of his door and started this last week because his buddy taught him. I'm a professional. I am dedicated to this craft and I'm bringing you not just the ability to drive a screw or, you know, set a wire or whatever it might be. I'm bringing you the full understanding of this system and the long vision of how it's going to serve your family in this house in perpetuity. 
That's what I'm bringing to the table. And so when I say create the market and create that price point, and then it will go in your market. If, if every electrician that my client meets with is bringing the same ideas. And that's why I love the code because, Hey, this is, we're all having to do this. At least this is, we're all on the same level. Everyone that comes into your house, damn sure better tell you that vent has got to run. We're going to need this many drainage fixture units, like all that stuff that you guys are masters of. When you bring that to your client and you explain it to them and you show them that level of mastery and the next guy comes in and he says, well, you know, I'm a hell of a lot cheaper, but I don't do all that BS. I'm not worried about the code. I'm going to skip permit. Well, the educated client goes, I don't want that. Like I live here. I don't want to smell sewer gas. I don't want my pipes to gurgle. And I don't want to be calling you at two in the morning because I know you're not going to answer and come and stand behind it. But this guy, the master, the one who told me how it works, who knows the whole thing in and out. I know he's coming. If I got a problem, this is a person I can rely on. This is a person I want to partner with. And that's the market you create. You provide that level of service and mastery that makes your client understand that value. And then they can make an educated decision. And like I said, nobody's got a blank check. Many times we will tell clients, okay, I understand that we're over your budget. I think that you should wait. You shouldn't modify the project. You should save more money and do exactly what you want, which is this plan that you probably spent thousands with the architect to create. Do this project as it is when you can afford to do it right. Don't cut corners. Don't modify it. Don't cut scope. Don't bring in a cheaper guy who's going to, oh yeah, we're just going to run it this way. Or we've got this you know, different material that uh, we think we can get it done. We're going to skip the sheathing and we're going to put up Celotex. That's not the same product. So now you're talking about changing the project to be not what you want it to be. You can never be happy with that. Just wait. Wait until you can afford to do the job right. And I think that's something that uh, trade people should be doing with their potential clients as well. You know, if someone calls you like, yeah, I really want to upgrade to a, a tankless water heater. Which one do you recommend? Well, you know, we usually use the Navian, but I know a lot of guys like the Ream or the Renai, whatever. These are the three different cost brackets. They're pretty similar. Our install process includes these service valves, which you're definitely going to need because you have to service it every year. And if you don't put them in, it's going to cost you and it's going to fail prematurely. In that phone call, you've made that client understand the value of your service because you've told them, hey, I'm not just thinking about getting paid to get this in and gone. I'm showing you this is the most important thing about this process. Everyone can put it on. Anyone can put a couple screws on the wall and connect hot and cold. But I'm telling you, this is what's coming and this is how I maintain it. And this is why I take pride in doing it this way. So this is why my price is this. And if they go, oh, you're a lot higher than the other guy. You know, well, did he talk to you about the service valves? Does right. he understand the service interval? Is he going to come and take care of it if something doesn't go quite the way he planned? And does he understand what it takes to really stand behind that? Because if he does and he's cheaper, then maybe he's your guy. But I think that most clients see that pretty readily and they can tell the difference because it, again, consumers are well-educated. They're listening to this podcast. They're well, watching build show. It's they great. That, well, I'm glad to, I'm glad you brought that up and Andy, I'll kind of turn it over to you, but maybe you'll have something to say. I think Andy and I, so we deal so much face to face with, with the client, with the end user, the customer, our customer typically is not the home builder. It's more often, uh, However, we may take on new new construction projects like that. It's more often the end user. Yeah. And so, Andy, I mean, wouldn't you say more than ever people are pretty educated? 
when they come, they ask us about things and they know some of the answers already and they want it. They're interviewing us in that sense. So I think, I think my favorite customer is, is that customer that comes to me and goes, Hey, I've been doing some research. Uh, one, because I think that we can now have like, a, like Travis, you were just mentioned, you can have an intellectual conversation with that customer about what they want, because now they've taken the time to say, to decide what they want. You know, they've, they've kind of taken those steps to go forward and go, well, I know I want this and I know I want this and, you know, I'm, I'm not the expert here. So how do I bridge these two technologies? How do I, you know, how do we get hot water for the house and, and also, you know, have, you know, a super efficient radiant heating system, you know, how do these two systems work together? Uh, can we do this with solar? Can we, you know, we're going to do this, uh, this little, uh, we're going to, we're going to close in this screen porch and turn it into a new living room. You know, what is that going to take? And, and you start having that conversation about like, you know, yeah. Okay. So your budget's $1,200. We're not, we're not there, you know, um, (laughs) we're not going to do this or yeah. You know what? My budget, you know, we're planning on spending 75 grand on this, this screen porch. And this is, these are the things that we're going to do. And, and those conversations are easier to have. Um, from a standpoint where you can, you can do all those things and say, Hey, you know what? We are going to provide the best scenario here, you know, and, and maybe you do have to do the good, better, best plan, you know, to help try and meet some budget things or, or whatnot. But, but yeah, definitely having that, that, uh, educated customer. I mean, I don't know, I guess there are some pitfalls to it. Cause you'll get customers that'll go on and be like, Oh, I went on whatever, Joe's Joe's handyman services website. And he said all tankless uh, water heaters are garbage. Yeah. So I don't want one of those. I just want to, you know, I want this big oil burner. No, nah, nah, okay. Let's, <laughs> we got to back that up a little bit, but <laughs> yeah, that's where you're still back to educating your client. Yeah. And, you know, it's very easy, especially in this age to uh, say, well, I know that there's a lot of good information out there, but you also know that there's a lot of misinformation on right. the web, right? So let's look at the reputable sources and then maybe we can revisit that conversation. Um, and, you know, we always want to be um, complimentary and positive and I don't, I don't ever want to uh, belittle someone else's understanding of something because a lot of times I learn from people that I don't expect to learn from. Yep. But I will say that some of my greatest frustrations in this industry have been interacting with customers uh, or clients that watched a YouTube video on it last night and are excited to tell me what I did wrong when I arrive in the morning. Uh, <laughs> you know, we, <laughs> we all have to overcome that. And uh, I think that that's something that comes with the territory of the, the better informed customer. And yeah. we can navigate that. You know, that's, again, that, that makes it easier to decipher quickly. Ah, this might not be my client. If they want to argue with me about what I know to be true, then that's probably not a good job for me to work on. I, I can try to help them. And then when they don't want that, I can move on. Yeah. I, that, that, that's such a, that's a really hard concept for a lot of, especially new contractors, new business owners to, to grasp that concept of, of walking away from that job. I mean, if, if you've spent nothing more than 15 minutes on the phone with the client before you realized it, kudos to you, because that is an awesome read. Um, typically I, I find myself being like a day and a half into a design build and, you know, we've got all this stuff specked out and we're ready to go. And then you're like, no, 
No. <laughs> Sorry. I don't um, get it right all the time either. We, we've yeah. definitely, we've completed some projects with clients that we should never have worked for. So yeah, I, I have that problem as well. Yeah, we all do. We all do. It, a day and a half though, Andy, is better than two months. So, you know, sooner the better. <laughs> right. Or sometimes a year and a couple to, months. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> you have to rip that bandaid off. Well, we're getting long on time and I want to wrap this up and I want to say thank you, Travis. And I want you to remind everybody two things I'm going to, I'm going to task you with, cause I never get it right. When I say your Instagram handle again, I always, I'm the first one to get that wrong with everybody. So where can they find you over on social? And then if you have any advice quickly on, you know, where, where could a, where could a plumber, HVAC electrician, the building science as it pertains to us subs, where can we start to find really good? Like maybe it's not how to, but it's going to lead you down the path of the how to as a sub working with a contractor that wants to work with a contractor like you, where do we find where, you know, new information, how to learn that kind of thing. So people are going to think that I paid you for that little setup, Eric, and I, I, I swear I, I did not. I haven't <laughs> given Eric a dime. I've never even bought him a cup of coffee. Uh, so first off, I'm at Catalyst Built on Instagram. We're not very active on, I think we have a LinkedIn, but I don't do much there and I don't do anything on TikTok, but we try to write uh, helpful articles on fine home building. We're doing the fine home building house from last year. So there's content there. You can find us, but at Catalyst Built on Instagram is the easiest way. And then it'll direct you to other stuff like obviously uh, the build show where we're trying to share that information as well. But for tradespeople that want to learn about building science or just get better at their craft in any way, obviously we always have to recommend the build show network and all the videos that Eric puts up there. And uh, you know, the other contributors that are so generous with their time. Um, I've learned a lot from Steve Basic, Jake Bruton, um, there's just, there's so many great folks on there that are doing a lot to help in the trades. But if you're specifically wanting to learn about building science, we would invite you to come to our building science symposium series. So Joe and I started a nonprofit years ago to, uh, to try and educate Midwest builders specifically about building science. Cause Joe and I used to work for a production home builder. And a lot of the things that I built early in my career I know now I could have done a lot better and it, I carry it around all the time. Like it, it bums me out. Like I could have done better for those folks if only I had known. So I want to help other people to not make that mistake. I want everyone to know the best, the best information that's available today. Like we're always going to learn. We're always going to get better. You know, they don't often use leeches in hospitals these days. Techniques improve. <laughs> we do that in building. We, we don't, we try not to make the same mistake over and over. And so to do that, uh, we created BS and beer KC, which is a, a nonprofit educational foundation that started by holding um, the Midwest Building Science Symposium was our first event that we held every September in Kansas City at Boulevard Brewery. And we did that for a few years and it became very popular and the sponsors were very excited about it. And it was a free event to attend back then. You could just sign up and show up. And that was two full days of educational content from like Steve Basic, Jake Bruton, these guys, uh, Randy Williams, Mike Gurton. Like, I mean, it's a who's who of, of great builders in our industry and generous people sharing their knowledge. But it became very popular. So we decided we really can't just have it in Kansas City. We got to expand it. And so uh, we've got four events, well, four to six events a year in different markets. Uh, I know in November, I saw you in uh, in Austin, Texas last year, Eric. You were at the uh, first Texas Building Science Symposium. We had one in Chattanooga the month before that, in Kansas City before that. And we have one coming up February 23rd and 24th, which this may go up after it's already passed, but it's the Mid Atlantic in the DC area. 
And we'll have another one actually coming up into your neck of the woods. This isn't announced officially yet, but I think at the end of April, we'll have a two-day building science event. Uh, I think we're going to call it the North Central Building Science Symposium. I think it's going to be at Surly Brewing there in Minneapolis. So not too far from you. So I'm hoping you guys will come down. Andy, you're going to have to fly out to Minneapolis. I'm going to have to. Come on down. Uh, and we'll have three more. Andy has a plane. He has his own jet. So <laughs> you keep a private jet? Are you like Money Mayweather over there? Come on now. <laughs> so that's a great place. <laughs> that's a great place to uh, get an introduction because we, we're very specific about formulating the curriculum to be a starting point that will bring in even a production builder who doesn't know anything about building science. Uh, or a, a tradesperson who's just facing like, hey, what are, what are these guys even asking for? When the builder tells me they want this, why do they even? Ma- why does that matter? So we usually start with Steve or Jake or someone who does a really good job at explaining control layers, uh, and then that curriculum grows over the two day period uh, to include really nuanced things like vapor that people want to debate about for a long period of time. But we try to make it a deal where everyone get, gets brought along for the ride, like. We give you the introduction and build on that and build on that and build on that. So nobody gets left behind. And hopefully everyone in the industry can come up to the same level of understanding. And then next year they can come back and teach me what I don't know yet. But we do that in a brewery. Usually we provide the food, we provide the beer. It's usually a hundred bucks. We take all the proceeds from that uh, and we dump it into keep craft alive because we're trying to support skilled trades. We usually try to partner with a local trade school. If there's going to be displays to be built. Um, It's just, it's a really, (laughs) it's funny. There's so many things in my career that I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever done. Like, this is the best thing I've ever built. Or like when I had my kids, I was like, this is going to be my greatest contribution to the world. Like what a great, wonderful thing. I'm so happy and proud. And then I realized that all of the houses that I've worked on, every panel upgrade I've ever done, every custom home, every remodel, renovation, wood rot repair, all the way back to, you know, fixing a fence. All those things in my whole career won't add up to the difference that we make with one of these events because it's hundreds of people learning to do better and hundreds of people getting inspired to really pursue greatness in their craft. And so that that's why those events are so important to me. Wow. That's cool. Well, okay. Send me the link. I'm signing up. (laughs) Yes. And, and no, this will go out before your, uh, your DC event. It's actually going to go up right away. This quick turn on this one, Travis, thank you. Andy, if you've got anything to add and how's your time, three, two, there you go. See, I I don't, I don't let them talk. I don't don't shut me down. Shut me down. All right, man. Thank you, Travis. Thank you, Andy. Everybody have a great rest of your day. Go out and do something good. And, um, I got to go. Thanks so much, guys. I appreciate the opportunity. Alexa, turn off studio lights. Okay.